Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 27 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing... Man, uh, I'm doing well, actually. I'm doing real well. Nice, dude. I mean... Nice. All, okay, I you know, listen, Um, all things considered... There are still, obviously, some problems that are, are ongoing. That's very true. Sure, sure. But, but, Matt, vaccines are rolling out. Yes. They have been, they, they have started to be distributed in the States as of this recording. Yeah. Uh, and the Electoral College, as we are recording this, has gone and they just, they went and did the, the good thing. They just did the dang thing. They did the dang... The, well, no, they did the good thing, Matt. Because there was definitely a dang thing well, okay. that theoretically they could have done. And they did not do that. They did the the thing they were supposed to do, which was the good thing. Uh, and yeah, so, so now hopefully uh, we can uh, finally, in mid-December, put this just put a stake in the heart of this election, cut off its head, and bury it in the backyard. Holy cats, would that... Gosh, that would be great. Um, so, anyways, Dude, I was uh, I was thinking, and I know I, I just uh, stepped on the toes of your, I'm sure, great transition. But I had a genuine thought today, and this is the first chance I've had to vocalize it because you know I live alone um, and pandemic still. Speaking of pandemic and speaking of vaccines, right? So, as of today, vaccines like there are people in America today who have gotten the first dose of the vaccine, right? Yes, people in Ohio, I believe. I didn't know about that, but that is thrilling. Uh, I remember, oh, I think tomorrow was the projected date for it to start happening in Ohio. Now, I am a 36-year-old healthy man who is not a healthcare worker or an essential worker, and I am able to work from home pretty much indefinitely. So, I recognize the fact that, like, I am near the, not, not, maybe not the end of the line, for the vaccine, but I'm near the end of the line. Like it's not coming, right. it's not yep. rolling up to me personally for some time. But here's my question: Like, how, it's not like they're gonna send me a letter, right? Like, at what point do I like do I just call the hospital every day and I'm like, hey, um, it's it's not today, I know, <laughs> but like, is it to, is it next week? Is it next month? Like, I have no actual idea what the like, what's, I know they're out there, and I know I want it, and those are the only two things I know, and I feel like there's a lot of steps in between, and I don't know how okay, much well, of that Matt, is, listen. like, the government's responsibility to get it out, and how much of it is my responsibility to get in line somewhere. There's, okay, listen, first of all, there's there's the boring true answer to this question. Which is that we don't know, and someone will tell me, I'm sure, as soon as it's available. Yeah, the more interesting answer is what could be. Not what is, Matt, but what could be. Uh, Are you suggesting that I put on old age makeup and <laughs> sneak my way I into s- a listen, line? Listen, you could old age makeup this. Mm-hmm. You could get into a stack with another very small person and put on some scrubs. Okay. And you could three kids at the movies this. But it's, but it's two kids and I'm two of the kids. But you're two of the kids and then I don't know... Uh, a fake a fake head i'm not really sure you could just pretend to be you could become an essential worker okay now this is an interesting thought i could get a job at a grocery store get a job get a part-time job at a grocery store and then i'm an essential worker. just for those then yeah then you've got that sweet sweet benny of of getting the vaccine now by doing that, you would be increasing your ex- potential exposure to the virus. Sure, flip side. That is the flip side. But, you know, high risk, high reward, lot. Dave. Yeah, just a lot. Just so much. On one hand, I, increasing I, might, your risk I there. might be able to get the vaccine up to a month or two earlier. You know? You know, if I'm at the back of the line right now and I could, like, pop myself somewhere in the middle, that is, th- those are real gains. Those are, ga- those are gains you can see. 
you know? It's true. You also could see yourself just actually get the virus. I could get the virus. And see, now, Dave, that's the flip side of this. I don't love that. So I'm... It's, it's not a perfect plan, I have to admit. What else could you do? You could find someone who has gotten the vaccine mm-hmm. and... Maybe take it from them. have them have them cough in your face. Maybe the vaccine is is transferable by what? Maybe you would have to make out with this person. Okay, for a while. Okay. Well, now I'm just spitballing, Matt. I'm not a medical professional. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I would be spitballing in that case. You know. Hey. Hey-o. Um. Yeah. I'm just saying I think you have options. Yeah, I got to I got to exp- I mean, theoretically, I've got a couple of months to figure this out. And worst case scenario is that I don't figure it out. And then and in x number of months, my 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 real plan, which is playing the long game, works out. Yeah, I'm going to guess that you will just call the hospital and they will collect like 10 pieces of demographic information about you and then they will say, "All right, well, you're in the spreadsheet and we'll call I'll you." See you in June. Like I'm going <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to guess that that's probably what it is, but who knows? Yeah, it was just weird because today was the first day where, like, that was a real thought I could have. Yeah, no, there's like a ray of hope on the horizon. It felt real nice. You know what else feels real nice, Dave? Sitting down and watching episode 27 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Uh, not quite as good as getting a uh, a very good vaccine. For global pandemic, very been close though. Us. But I'll tell you, you can get this right now. This is coming at you. Very close. Very no close, way. I would say uh, until we listen to episode twenty-seven of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called "Kick Them About: The Demonic Coral of Death." Now, of course, Dave. Before we get into this episode, and I know I said there was no waiting, but you know this is all part of it. Uh, before we get into the episode, as always, we have our award-winning opening segment. Dave's Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Man, our first star of the week, it's Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan. So anyways, Matt, uh... I made another cake. Nice, nice. I did. Yeah, thank you. It turned out well. I'm assuming it turned out very well. The reports are positive. I haven't tasted it yet. So it was our buddy Bill. It was his birthday as well. Bill's been on the show. Uh, not for a long time now, but he has been on the show. And I uh, I messaged his wife and I said, hey, this seems like a weird question. You would think I would know this. Like Bill and I have been really good friends for like t- almost 20 years now. But I said, uh, hey, Bill is my friend that just goes, like, absolutely bonkers for, like, peanut butter chocolate stuff, right? And his wife is like, yes, that is definitely, like, you are remembering correctly. It is Bill. Mm -hmm. And I said, awesome. This was, remember, I talked the other week about an idea I had for peanut butter creme mousseline. Ah, yes. I do remember this. I did, yeah. So, handful of things. I made a, a chocolate layer cake. I just used the Hershey's Perfectly Chocolate Chocolate Cake. It's my favorite chocolate cake recipe. The one with the boiled water? The one with the boiled water. I only make one addition to that, or uh, one substitution. That cake, and you could just look it up. It's Hershey's Perfectly Chocolate Chocolate Cake. Here's what I it's, do. It's literally the chocolate cake recipe that is on like the, it's just, yeah, the it's cocoa on the- container. Yeah, um, but it's online, too. And so it calls for half a cup of oil. And I don't use half a cup of oil, Matt, because based on the advice of my boy Jackie Pfeiffer, he says, listen, I know people put oil in cakes, but if you put an oil in a cake, he's like, I know why people do it. It's because it's nice for the texture. But if you do that, your cake is just going to taste like oil. He says, why would you use oil when you could just use clarified butter? It's going to do all the same things, and then your cake will taste like butter. And I was like, that's a, yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, yeah. master pastry chef, that's a great point. So um, I do substitute clarified butter for for oil, and it does make a better cake. So I made the perfectly chocolate chocolate cake. I made no, Dave, peanut butter creme quick, mousseline. Do you clarify Yo. your own butter, or do you just like buy a jar of ghee? I just clarify my own okay. butter. It's like way cheaper. Also, 
Well, I'll get to this in a second, actually. There's a second reason why it's worthwhile to clarify your own butter. So uh, I made peanut butter creme mousseline, which is um, uh, two parts pastry cream, one part butter, and one part peanut butter with, like, some extra powdered sugar. Um, It's killer. Yeah, it's Uh, just amazing. And then I made uh, peanut butter. I made peanut butter buttercream to like frost the cake. And then I just made ganache and I poured that sort of as like a a drizzly thing, like a a, sort of like a warm blanket of ganache. Yeah. um, I told I told Bill to save me a piece. I'm very much looking forward to eating it. Anyways. Yeah. Here's now. Theoretically, you could do this with your if you just bought ghee, but. I clarify my own butter. Here's why. Uh, our parents used to make toffee, and I have recently discovered. I am sure, like anybody who's like been to culinary school who listens to this podcast, is probably just like shouting at me for being a dummy and not knowing this already. But if you haven't, then maybe this will help you. Our parents used to make toffee, and uh, I have recently discovered, Matt, that a lot of the flavor that I associate with toffee is not from the sugar; it's from the butter. Uh huh. Okay, so if you clarify your own butter, you can let it cook a little extra, and you don't want to let it go too long because it will burn. You let it cook a little extra, and you get like a toffee flavor in your clarified butter. Aha, uh-huh. so which for something like this, it seems like it would be a nice compliment. Perfect. It's actually kind of great for everything. Like just pretty much anything can have a little bit of toffee flavor in it, and you're good. So uh, I made this cake, and then I did a little a little sprinkle of sea salt on the top because well, yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta zhuzh it up a little. Um, now, now no, the only thing that would be better, David, is if you had the flaky salt. If I had that, I did. Uh, Matt, I'm not gonna lie. I did regret that I did not have that fancy flaky salt. Have I told you that I've transitioned to an almost entirely flaky salt lifestyle? You haven't, but I support this move. I keep I keep regular salt for like baking. You know, like I'm not gonna. I don't like put flaky salt like in the dough when I'm making baguettes. No, that makes sense. But like, I bought a nice salt cellar. This was like early on in the pandemic when I was just like. I need to... I've seen this salt cellar. It's beautiful. It's yeah. that wooden one, yeah? It's a, it. it's like a ceramic with a hinged wooden top. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I bought one. flaky salt to put in it because it's not that much more expensive and it makes me feel a little bit good every time I uh, like do the little like crinkle of the salt on top of something. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's very satisfying oh, tactile yeah. so experience. Good. So anyways, man, that's this dope cake that I made. I'm looking forward to eating it. Uh, what is our second star of the week? Hey folks, uh, Matt J here. In a minute, you are going to hear me talk about how, despite all of its bugs and performance issues on release, um, I like playing Cyberpunk 2077, the video game. Now, uh, I do want to say, before I get into all of that, that um, both Cyberpunk the genre and uh, Cyberpunk 2077, the video game, have had very valid uh, criticisms leveled against it uh, in terms of both xenophobia and transphobia. Um, And those things are not good. So um, I just want to acknowledge those things at the top before we move into talking about, like, the video game mechanics of hacking in the future, which are good, but unrelated to the bad things. So uh, I am not the voice that you need to hear talk about those things, but I want you to know that those things are out there um, and that I want to acknowledge them before we do the other stuff. Okay. Back to you, Matt. Dave, I've been playing a video game. You might have heard of it. You might have heard of it eight years ago <laughs> when it was first announced. Uh, Dave, I got... I, I pre-ordered Cyberpunk 2077. And I've been... I'm, listen, so, Matt, first of all, you're correct. I have heard of this mm-hmm. game. I have been hearing about it. Actually, it's been in the news cycle a lot recently. Yeah. For a number Some of reasons. Good. Some Some not great. Some not great, though, which is disappointing to me uh, because CD Projekt Red, that's kind of always been one of their things. Like, oh, we A, make great games, and B, like, we're not Bethesda. Like, when we put out a game, like, it's just out, and it's polished, and it's done, and it's great. So, you know, I have, this is actually the first CD Projekt Red game I've ever played. Um, So that had been my understanding. Uh, And then I fired it up, and I'm like, oh, boy. 
Wowzers! This is a different experience than I was uh, looking forward to. And, okay, so here here is my take on Cyberpunk 2077. One, it is clearly flawed. Like, the textures... Like, I'm playing it on an Xbox One. I'm not playing it on, like, a high-end PC. And so, like, there are obviously differences there. But, like, come on. Like, I know what an Xbox One game is supposed to look like. Like, a AAA mm-hmm. Xbox One game. And this is not that. Um, It, like... I had to adjust a bunch of settings to make it, like, not give me a headache to look at. And even then, oh, for the geez. first, like, hour and a half, my eyes just kept expecting things to, like, come into focus, and they weren't coming into focus, and it was kind of driving me insane. What I realized is that there are actually, like... The game, I think, assumes that you are running it on a higher-end software or hardware than what I've got. And oh, so okay. it has built-in, like, cinematic blurring effects on the screen to like make it look like there's a film grain and like light sort of bends around the corners of the screen like it's like on the edge of something um which in theory if you're running on a high-end pc is very cool if you are running on a xbox one and a four-year-old tv is like not super good so i turned off all that stuff I kind of got used to how the game looks, and it took me a while to get into it. And like, like I said, like there are definitely glitches. It has frozen up on me a few times, not critically. Like it will unfreeze eventually if I kind of oh okay, like try to pause it and unpause it, or like crouch and uncrouch, or try to jump or something, pull up a menu uh, that'll sort of like shake it free eventually. Uh, so I haven't had oh like, nice. So you know, like it hasn't been critical errors, but like obviously there are a lot of problems with this game. But then I got to thinking about Cyberpunk 2020. And, listener, I know, Dave, you have read the Cyberpunk 2020 books uh, pretty extensively. Oh, man, I own them. Not only do I own them, but I've actually read the new Cyberpunk game. I heard oh, there well, was I'll a, talk about that There's in a like minute. a brand new Cyberpunk game, right? Oh, yeah, Cyberpunk Red. They've had a really, really, just a, an astonishingly long time to develop with it, or to develop it, Matt. And um, I'm not sure what they did with that time, but I can tell you what they did not do with that time. Was it was... improve cyberpunk? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly is. They just did, man, I don't know. Maybe they learned a whole new hobby. Maybe they went on like a spiritual journey of self-discovery. <laughs> they but just what re-released they Cyberpunk 2020 with new art. Yeah, they sure did, man. What they did not do is turn that into a playable game. Because <laughs> the thing about Cyberpunk, the whole franchise has always been like the world, like the setting, the aesthetic of it is like very good. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I, I, okay. I will say before I, I say that I want to live there right. any more than we already do. Sure. Before I say that I love the aesthetic of Cyberpunk 2020 slash 77 slash all of the iterations of it. I want to acknowledge that, like, I have read a lot of articles about how there are, like, problematic aspects of, like, things at the nature of how the cyberpunk um, genre was developed and in the time that it was developed. Sort of, like, xenophobic, anti-Asian, like, stuff that crept into it. Um, I acknowledge that all of that stuff is true. I like that those articles have all been very good. Uh, Those are not, that is not something that I am the person that you should probably listen to talk about. So I just want to say that before I say that, like, despite all of that stuff, like, I just love cyberpunk stuff so much. And the only other cyberpunk game that exists is Shadowrun. And Shadowrun is also all magic-y. And I don't like magic in my cyberpunk. And so I always want cyberpunk to be, like, the cyberpunk game to be really good. And I always want to play in that world, and it never actually is the way that I want it to be. And so in that way, it really does feel like all the bugs and glitches and muddy textures and like, you know, ultimately, like, like all of it. It's a great adaptation of the tabletop game because it's yeah, they deeply really, broken. They've really recreated the experience for you. That's astonishing. Yeah, you throw a grenade, you have no idea where it's going to end up. <laughs> In the tabletop <laughs> game, there that's was... That's also true. There was a table. If you threw any sort of explosive, you had to like roll on a chart to see which direction it exploded on impact. 
Um, it, that's actually, that's the only chart that's easy to read because it reads like a clock. Okay, I've talked about this for a long time. Dave, what is our third star of the week? Well, third star of the week, man, is I'll keep it pretty tight. Um, I have been just kind of in a spare, spare few minutes here and there. I have been working on a new game. Uh, I know I have some other stuff in the works, but unfortunately with COVID, I've really been kind of locked out of getting in any significant playtesting on those games, um, either Ghost Sentai Heroes or Tulip Mania. Um, but we were talking about new games to play. Remember last week we talked about that we actually are going to be playing Deadlands Hell on Earth. Uh, but the other idea that we had was that uh, I, again, anytime a game comes up, I say, what if we played Exalted? And then people are like, no, nah, I don't want to play Exalted. Man, I want to want to play Exalted. I just don't want to play Exalted. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people feel that way, Matt. And I was like, well, you know, one of the reasons I wonder is that Exalted, okay, Exalted is dope. Um, It's extremely cool. It's a totally rad setting. It's, imagine if like, if you somehow don't know anything about Exalted. I think that imagine, probably, I think there's probably a lot of our listeners, Dave, who don't know anything about Exalted. A lot of our listeners? I'm just saying. I think that... Okay, it's, anyways. I mean, we're not so, talking Vampire the Masquerade here. Yeah, okay, thank you. So, uh, if you've read um, Stormlight Archive, okay. Stormlight Archive, when I read Stormlight Archive, I was like, oh, Brandon Sanderson has clearly read a lot of Exalted. So, if, you wanna, if you've read the Stormlight Archive, but you don't know anything about Exalted, imagine that, like, a... There's, there's the Stormlight Archive, and then... Um, like a, like a, like a mangaka read his book and was like inspired by it and wrote a manga and then a, an American like got a hold of the manga and turned it into like a Western anime in the style of like, um, Avatar the Last Airbender or the new Voltron show. And like, that's kind of exalted. Okay. Um, what if, could be clearer? If, yeah. If I mean, that does actually about, make a lot of sense. Yeah. If it were about, like, semi-immortal demigods who, like, served celestial deities, right? So that's Exalted. So um, it's super energetic. It's super high concept. It's, like, really action-oriented. And then, as producer Mark says, they straight up white-wolfed it. Um it's this super action-oriented game, and they have shackled it to, like, 600 pages of extremely obtuse rules. And so I said, what if you so, could take all those concepts... Yeah, and also the worst and, thing is that it's 600 pages of very obtuse rules with no functioning index for the book. Well, that's all right. If you've ever played a White Wolf game, I just assumed you knew that there wasn't a functioning index. Although they have gotten there better about it in recent years. Uh, anyways, so I said, what if you could take all those concepts and really boil them down into a game that is fast and energetic and cinematic and easy to play, Powered by the Apocalypse System is my personal favorite, and so I am working on a project called Powered by the Unconquered Sun, and it's sort of a fan hack of Exalted into a Powered by the Exalted, or Powered by the Apocalypse System, and, um, I think I kind of cracked some stuff on it, and it's a lot of fun. I don't know, man. If you want to look at it, I guess you can tweet at Matt and he'll let me know. Or you could email um, ghostsentaheroes at gmail.com. I was going to say, you've already, got a, you've already got a, yeah. a pipeline for this. And I'll, and I'll shoot it out to you. Um, it's, it's entirely unfinished. It's a lot of just notes at this point. But I'm having fun with it, just kind of in my mental free time. What, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Dave, fourth star of the week. Uh, let's move quickly. Uh, I had my office holiday party this week, which is normally TM like a, fun office. Uh, gotcha. Hashtag fun office. Normally a thing that we do, you know, like we rent out a thing downtown. There's like, there's not like an open bar, but it's like a kind of an open bar and like a bunch of food and door prizes and dancing. And there's either a band or a DJ or both does, some years. That sounds like a party. Sounds like, a, and it is, it's a fun party. I look forward to it every year, but obviously, obviously. that's not what was happening this year. And so... I was kind of like, I've been wondering all year, like, what are they going to do? Like, they can't do a party. And so what they did was actually pretty nice. Uh, and it was like, they said, everybody go to, there's a grocery store, like, right down the street from where the office is. And they sort of set something up with the grocery store. And they say, go to the store, go to, like, the curbside pickup, tell them that you're there for, like, the office food kit thing. And they'll just, like, put the box in your trunk and you can go home. 
And when we got home, when I got home, I opened up the box and it's full of like a bunch of groceries and a bottle of wine and some written instructions on how to make chicken pot pie. Or there was like a veggie option that I could have chosen. Dude, um, that's cool. Yeah. And like, you know, like stuff for, like to make a salad and like a, an apron with the company's logo on it. And then we all logged into what was essentially, it wasn't actually a Zoom call, but it was essentially a Zoom call where like we all watched a presentation of this woman showing us how to make chicken pot pie um and then like played trivia games and had like a everyone in their own homes but on zoom dance party which that part i did not stick around for much of but it was like it was one of those things where i was really expecting it to be like unbearably like cringy but it was Mm -hmm. actually kind of nice man uh I don't have jokes about that. Yeah. That just sounds it was great. Nice. I made it was this Dave, I don't know. How was the chicken pot pie? It was pretty good. They suggested that I put sage in the crust. Like mix it in with the you know, like the flour and the stuff. Um Okay. Which I did, and I get the idea. I think they sort of overdid it on the sage. If if I ever do it again, I'll cut that pretty far back. I love sage, but that is a danger. Yeah, you can over sage. You can also over time. Um, definitely, definitely. I think it's harder to over time myself, but whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the recipe was pretty good. It wasn't like a... They, we were not encouraged to make like a like a pie crust underneath, you know. It was just like fill a thing and then put a crust on top. And that, yeah. Um, I ended up having so much filling that I just used my smaller Dutch oven instead of a pie tin. Because even with like two pie tins, it would not have worked. Um, but, you know. I think you chose the superior option anyways, Matt. Uh, speaking of good options, what's our fifth star of the week? Dave, fifth star of the week is, I don't normally buy myself things in December, but I was looking at my email today. Yeah, you're not supposed to. And it said, your Amazon shipment has shipped. I'm like, I don't recall ordering anything from Amazon that would be shipping to me right now, uh, because I still need to do my Christmas shopping. Um, we should probably talk about that off mic. Um, (laughs) and so... I was like, what is this? And I remembered that I had bought myself what is essentially like a, it's like a self, it's like a stocking stuffer, but unofficially. And it's like this little. I mean, you could put it in a stocking, so. I guess. Basically, when I lived in France, low these many years ago, I had a digital camera and I had a couple of memory cards. And I got a bunch of those pictures put on a CD the CD, like, broke in half somewhere, and I have basically mm. not had access to any of my pictures from my year in France for years. But I still have the memory cards, and I still have the camera. And so for years, I'm like, I need to find the cables for this camera, because the camera theoretically still works, and I can plug it in and transfer stuff over to a computer. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, man, it's 2020. Technology has definitely progressed since I was there in 2006 slash 7 I'm just gonna look up like easy ways to do this and so there's just like a $9 gizmo that is nothing but like five different kinds of memory card port that is attached to like a USB drive that you just like plug into your computer and so like it is on its way it will get here in like a week or two uh, because it had to come from some weird seller on Amazon um and I'm going to, like, actually get to... I, if those memory cards have, like, not corrupted or whatever, um, I will actually be able to, like, get my old pictures, at least some of them. And it's going to be really nice, I hope. Dude, that's awesome. And that, Dave, that is it for the five stars. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 27 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Uh, it is called Kick Them About, The Demonic Coral of Death. Uh, it was written by Junki Takagami. It was originally aired on August 24th, 1997. Of course, you can watch along with us either on the DVDs or at shoutfactory.com and Mega Ranger Rules, so you probably should. We will be right back. Okay, welcome back. We've just watched episode 27. It was good. It was good. Creepy in places. It was good. Freaky. A lot of body horror in this one. Not my favorite. There was, there's, boy, there's definitely a part in this episode where Shun really rolls the dice on whether or not he understands what the monster has done to these people. 
Uh, we will get to that. <laughs> we'll get there in a second. Okay, so um, we open up this episode. We're on a beach, and there's some kids running. And it's an older sister and a younger brother. And the sister is like, dude, you have got to get in the water. We live on an island, and you can't swim. Like, It's an embarrassment. It's a... It's A, dangerous, and B, absurd and embarrassing. Like, come on, dude. You got to learn how to swim. The kid is freaking out. The brother. He's just like, I, he's just freaking out. He won't do it. Right. He is scared of the water. She is sort of like backing into the water. And she's like, no, just come with me. Take my hand. Like, I will teach you now how to swim finally. Um, and then as I have it in my notes, uh, uh, sister tries to teach little brother how to swim. Fails and is promptly claimed by the sea. Yeah, that would be accurate. It well, it's the sea by way of a moving piece of moving piece of coral, which I did think was an interesting take. Uh, coral, which of course has many features, however, famously stationary. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so we go from there. So the sister's gone, and the kid freaks out, and uh, and he feels bad about this, of course. Yes. So uh, we go as to the my rangers. next note goes, his bravery fails, and she is lost beneath the waves. Wow, you're getting very, uh, very sort of like Victorian with this. Yeah. Well, my next note a- just says Kenta has a level of neon pink going on that only ever existed in the '90s. So I'm I'm trying to keep a nice balance. I was going to say you balanced it out. There you go. So the rangers are on their way to the beach. There is a. There is a completely unnecessary frame story here, (laughs) which is that Mr. Uiwa, their teacher, is like with them, and they're like, are you sure about this? And he says, listen, my relatives own this beachside resort. They wanted me to come and like bring students and so here you guys are. Like, if you have a problem with it, I guess you can go home. And they're like, no, 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 this is cool. Except Shun, who is like, I, it's free and I therefore do not trust it. Right. Uh, he says, and the only reason I have this written down is because it comes up again later. He says, there is nothing scarier than something free. Which, no. you know, on one hand, like, is that a harsh thing to say? Sure. On the other hand, like, man, I have gotten some... Like, there is some, there is definitely some truth to that statement. Yeah, he's not totally wrong. So, they they get, uh, we hear that there's a Nezere reaction, we go back to space, there's a Nezere reaction, they're trying to reach the rangers, they can't reach them. Now, I'm not sure if they can't reach the rangers because the signal comes through on Yusuku Hayakawa's computer. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it comes, they can't reach the Rangers because he has, like, hijacked the signal. Oh, I don't think he And has rerouted it to his own computer. I mean, listen, does he smile very slyly to himself when he hears uh, Dr. Kubota say, why won't the Rangers answer my call? Yes, he does. Now, I'm not sure if he did that or if he just sort of routed it so it goes to his computer also, which seems like the more likely option. But either way, it doesn't, it's not clear because they can't reach the Rangers. My guess is that he's just listening in and that they are not answering their uh, digitizers because they have him on silent because they're hanging out with Mr. Oiwa, which is literally the only reason to put him in this episode. Yeah, okay, good point, good point. So maybe it's not totally pointless. Oh, so by the go... way, this is not a full class trip. Because, again, they are on summer vacation. Oh, yeah! It's just Mr. Oiwa and the five Mega Rangers. <laughs> yeah, if it, had it been all, if it had been everybody, I would have said the frame story was less pointless. It's ju- yeah. So we go from there. Uh, it's the Rangers. They're on a boat towards the uh, getting over to this little island. Uh, Kenta gets seasick. They all make fun of him, and there's like coral floating in the background. So this is actually good. I assume that when they said island, when she said like you live on an island, I was kind of thinking like Japan, but clearly they are. Ta- there's like you know, it's, it's a, like a little island village. Off it's the an coast, archipelago, yeah. right? So they're on like one of these little islands. So they arrive at this little island. They're like, Mister Iwa says, "Here we are," and they're like, "It's a." This is just a guest house. This is extremely uncool of you right. to have brought us here. You have described this as a resort hotel, and it is a inn, maybe? Maybe, maybe. That's very generous. Um, 
Mr. Oiwa is like, obviously he's never been here. He just got like a letter from a cousin. They never even specify what kind of relative. That is how little it matters. <laughs> but he's like, my relative lives close to here. I'll try to call him, see what's up. He's like definitely trying to make this okay in some way. And he's not doing a super good job. No, yeah, he definitely isn't because especially, okay, so, so there's nobody there. They can't find anybody. They try to call some people. Nobody answers. The whole village is gone. They see a little piece of coral, and Shisato picks it up and is like, this is weird. Uh, anyways, Mr. Wiwa is, he's so uninterested in everything that happened, that's happening. I think it's Koichiru says, like, well, I'll go try and find your relative. And Mr. O just says, cool, man. Uh, I am going to take a nap. And he just, like, rolls on inside and just lays down to take a nap. nap. for the rest of the episode. Well, not quite. He wakes up right at the end. Yeah. Um, So so uh, he's out. Kenta is like, okay, well, you were going to go look for his relative, but I came here to swim at the beach, and I have my bright pink, like, beach floaty. You know, like the the big round beach floaty? An inner tube. That's the word I'm looking for. He's got a bright pink inner tube. He's like, I'm going to go to the beach and hang out. And Miku says, I am too. And Ko says, you two suck. She, he doesn't say that with his words, but he says it with his heart. He's like, you guys, we have problems. We need to find this person. Please, can you just try to be responsible? Like, and predictably, Miku says and, yes and Kenta says no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um... Kuchu is looking around. Oh, sorry. So they're, they're looking around. Uh, Shun and Miku, right? Yeah, Shun and Miku, mm-hmm. they roll into a building. They see that, like, no, there's sorry. some meat it's, on a I grill. I mean, it, does, it doesn't really matter, but it's, um, they break up. It's Ko and Kuchu and Miku, and then Shun and Chisato. Oh, that's right. That's right. My bad. So Shun and Chisato, like, they find a, an empty house and there's meat on a grill. Which is relevant because clearly whatever's happened to this person happened like very recently. And uh, Kuchiru and Miku are like, this is really weird. Like there should be fishing here. There's not like literally everybody's gone. We go to Kenta. He's in the water. Uh, That water looks super duper cold. He does not look like he's having a good time. Right. Well, okay. Now it might not be that cold because... This, remember, the the original air date of this episode is August 24th. So, like, this is a summer episode. Yeah, it just has the look of a of a of an ocean that's cold. You know? Like the Lake Erie, you can go in the middle of summer, and it's just kind of always cold. Mm-hmm. And it always sort of looks cold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This looks like cold water. Anyways. So, um the kid is back. The kid is sort of rolling around. He sees more coral, tries to yell for Kenta. Nothing. Can't get his attention. Okay. Kenta might be too cold in this moment, but he... Kenta is the sort of guy who commits to enjoying himself because he is talking to himself out loud alone, saying, man, I wish the others would have joined me swimming. This is so great. Yeah, whether or not he is actually, A, having a good time, or B, he's compelled to disobey. Yes, he's compelled to disobey. Um, so, he is floating in the water, pretending to have a good time. The The kid from earlier, who we will later find out is named Daichi. Yeah. He sees Kenta floating, and he sees the coral sneaking up behind him. We have not described this kid at all yet. Uh, and I just want to put it, this kid lives life on, like, level 11. Like, his just, his facial expressions are so intense. And also, he obviously is, like, maybe, like, eight or nine years old. But he fully has the face of, like, a 36-year-old man. He like, does not have, quite as... Yeah. A very as, expressive like, face. Yeah. Um, I'm super into Daichi. This kid is great. Mega Ranger, give us more Daichi. Although, you know what this show has done? This show has so many times given us characters that we fall in love with, and maybe even given them to us twice and then taken them away. Like, when was the last time you saw Tall Steve? 
I have it in my notes in a later part of this episode that I I describe a character as some guy who was sitting at Tall Steve's desk. Because, like, that's where Tall Steve should be. Usurpers. Yeah. Or remember the Mega Ranger Bulk and Skull from episode, like, six or seven? And we were hoping they were going to be in the whole season? Yes! Not until you would reference them. Dude, I... Oh, man, those guys were great! Yeah, so Daichi definitely falls in that zone. Yeah. Oh, man, now I'm just bumped out. Would love to see more. Um... Anyway, Kenta gets uh, captured by a uh, coral monster in the water and screams. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Koichiru and Miku hear him screaming and come running. They find his uh, neon pink inner tube. And uh, it's covered in like a weird foam, which I did not notice as being weird because I thought it was just like sea foam. Yeah, um, it is apparently like not. Yeah, it's monster Not sea foam. foam. It is some sort of specific, unusual foam, I guess. Uh, Kenta hears Miku scream. He turns around. He sees her flip-flops and some foam. And at this point, I begin to wonder, is something that is using foam capturing people? Or is something turning people into foam? And I don't know which is worse, but I don't know which one it is from any sort of context cues yet. Yeah, I don't like either version of that. Again, it isn't clear, so, you know, who knows. But, um, so we go from there. We, uh, Shun and Shisato see the kid, Daichi. They see him running, and they're like, oh, a, a person who's alive. Um, we they sort of to chase him. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta talk to this kid. Uh, so they chase him, and they... Like, they get a little bit separated. This is actually very cool. They get a little bit separated, and Shisanto meets up with the kid, and then she's like, hey, like, are you okay? And then some kune kune arrive, and then uh, Shun appears as Mega Blue. Right. And, and they they do it so smoothly, it feels as though this has got... They've never mentioned this, but this feels like it's, there's got to be, like, a, they have a protocol for this. Like, oh, hey, if there's two of us... And we, you know what I mean? Like, you go there, and then I'll, like, duck into the phone booth, and I'll henshin, and then we'll, like, meet back up. Yeah. Now, you know. According to actions later in this episode, I have to assume that there is a secondary protocol that's like, if there's only one of us and it's a kid, then you can definitely transform right you in just, front of them. Yeah. 100%. Do not worry about it. Like, we have our priorities, which I like. Like, so, try to um, see if you can, like, throw some dust in their eye real quick, but otherwise, just, you know, make it happen. So there's a kune kune fight. Um, Uganda uh, just like rolls up and sucker punches, uh, make a blue. Yeah, which and, is uh, no Shisanto. good. Yeah. So uh, and then Shisanto gets hit by that foam shot. Yeah, and and we see now that the foam shot is something that is being spit out by Coral Nezare. Yeah, uh, Coral Nezare is a. He's like a Pirates of the Caribbean Black Pearl reject is basically what's happening here. Yeah, pretty much. He's just like a dude covered in multicolored coral. Like, he's not a bad monster design. But like, you know, it's hard to anthropomorphize coral. So he's just a guy with coral on him. Yeah, there's nothing terribly interesting here. So we go from there to the Nezare dimension. And um, they explain their plan. And I feel like there's been a run... A very good plans. And uh, this plan is kind of stupid. Because here's the plan. They say, check it out. Here's what we can do. Like, even Guy Rail is confused by this plan. But they say, listen, here's what we're going to do. Coral Nezare is going to turn people into coral. And this, somehow, having too much coral... Will right, we're gonna and we're gonna fill the sea with this human shaped coral because it's coral yeah. that's been transformed from humans into coral. Yeah. And then And this will like, like change the balance of the seas? Like I it'll don't know. choke out other marine life and make the planet. They, they do not go into this level of detail. You've already way thought this out more than they have. And then they just say, and then, like, the remaining humans will will die, I guess. It's like, dude, 
if you have the ability to turn enough human beings into a sufficient biomass of coral to significantly impact the marine ecosystem of the entire planet Earth, it just seems like you're slow rolling it to then wait for ecological disaster to wipe out the humans for you, as opposed to just turning the rest of them into coral. Weird move. I mean, fine, I guess, but, you know, pretty weird move. Yeah, well, I just, you know, it was disappointed. I feel like the Nazare have come off a string of really excellent plans, and this one... What is, what, what is weird about s- this particular plan is that it's not clever or well thought out, but it is ho- way more horrifying than a lot of their good plans. Well, yeah. Oh, yes. It's extremely... Because um, we get a we get a visualization. There's like a painting of what the world will look like with an ocean full of human coral. And I'll tell you what, it does not look good. Yeah, it's well, okay. Well, we're we're gonna get into this. So, um, we go from there to a cave where the rangers all all exception, sorry, are, and uh, they're not coral they are slowly turning into coral yeah which is worse god because just so much worse so much worse because they they're still definitely uh definitely conscious watching their bodies slowly turn to coral and as they are slowly turning to coral, like, they're having a lot of trouble moving around, right? Like, their mobility is being severely constrained. Yeah. I have, uh, I have like, particular body horror stuff about, like, um, like hard you know, calciferous or rock-like, like, skin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just... I I really got the shutters about like even even at the like it's like not like amazing special effects guys no, but I did not. definitely get the shivers about it. Is it at like, this Whoa. point is this where we begin to see the um the the humans of this town stacked like cordwood having been turned into coral? Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, but of we course, we do definitely see they're not, that thing. They're not actors and actresses who have been covered in coral. They are a bunch of mannequins that have been painted to look like they have been. They are humans that have been turned into coral, and that's definitely worse, right? Like visually, it's a hundred percent worse. Hundred percent worse. Definitely hundred percent worse. So, um, Matt had actually started to mention this before, and before we got into the discussion of just real deep um, body body horror that is this spot in the episode, uh, which is because their bodies are slowly turning into coral, um, they can't push their digitizers. They're, like, locked, and I don't know, they just, for some reason, won't work. And so, Kenta sees Chisato and is like, oh, you still got a hand, can you, like, crawl over here? And hit my digitizer. So she's crawling, like, dragging her coral body. And, like, as she's reaching out to stretch, her hand turns into a big hunk of coral. Oh, no. Pretty bad. It's, yeah, pretty bad. Um, we cut away. Shun is unconscious. Yeah. Um, you know, like, on the beach. Uh, Daichi finds him, like collects some water in a wide leaf and uses it yeah, to like it's very pour it's very some, cool it's some like, real druid stuff yeah like pour some water into his mouth to like revive him uh i hope it's not ocean water yeah um in any case shun wakes up and he's like ah yes small child thank you for your help now the kid thinks Great that job. everything that's happening here is his fault and at this point i'm like that's weird do you think it's your fault because you weren't able to save your sister and like that was the beginning of all this and so you have like a vague like creeping like guilt about that that's making you guilty about everything? And then he says, "No. I yeah. saw a monster take my sister and I but and I could have told the town about it, 
But then they would have known that I failed to save her, and I was, like, too scared and embarrassed to admit that. And so they weren't prepared for the monster, and it took them all. And I'm like, oh, well, actually, no, that makes a lot of sense why you would feel guilty about that. I was going to say, man, yeah, you would feel guilty, but actually, I think that's a fantastic piece of writing because that is a very, like, that is a very nine-year-old reaction like i was afraid of getting in trouble for one thing so i let another thing happen that was way worse because i didn't want anyone to yell at me i mean dude Um, that's an understandable nine-year-old thing that's an understandable 36 year old thing i say as someone who is 36 yeah i actually was just gonna (laughs) say like dude i get it a lot of trouble about that um you know nationally so um so Shun's like, listen, dude, um, you're nine, like it's cool, like don't you it's fine, all right? The goal now is we just have to move forward from this. So um the Kune Kune arrive. Shun, Shun is does like, say a nice thing because the kid says like I suck and I have no bravery. He doesn't say I suck. He says like I Like I haven't found it or, or I've like, lost I'm my bad. bravery. It's he, he's like, like I am yeah. bad and I have no bravery. And Shun is like you are good, and everyone has bravery. Oh, man. Well, he's a Blue Ranger, right? Yeah, dude. Classic Blue Ranger statement. So, um... Oh, but... He... Well, one thing that has not been found... Oh, even if bravery has begun to be found, a thing that is not found is Shun's digitizer, because it has fallen off yeah. of his wrist. So which was, would be more or less okay, except the Kune Kune are here right now. And Shun, like, suddenly realizes this. He's like, hey, have you seen a bracelet? It's very important. And the kid's like, I have not. And Shun's like, well, um, you run, and I'm just going to fight these monsters until you can get out of here. Yeah. So they're fighting. And like, uh, So the kid doesn't run. Yeah, I really thought at this moment that Shun was, like, running to draw them off. Like, yes, you follow me, and then the kid can run the other way. No, Shun just ran in and started, like, arm-dragging these fools. Yeah, it's dude, it's, uh, it's real, real good. Shun is very cool in this moment. Now, the kid doesn't run away. He just starts, like, looking around, and he does see the digitizer. As he is seeing it and finding it, Shun is getting, like, dragged out into the ocean by the Kune Kune. Yeah. Um, and so they're, like, dogpiling him to, like, drag him down in the water. It's a really intense game of Sharks and Minnows is what it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Sharks and Minnows is such a fun game. Sharks and Minnows is a really um, fun game if you are a strong swimmer. Otherwise, I'm sure it's a terrifying game. Yeah, I'm sure it is a terrifying game. Also... In retrospect, seems like a very dangerous game. Okay, should we we should briefly explain Sharks and Minnows because not okay, everybody. Yeah, man. Very briefly, Sharks and Minnows is a game you play if you're on swim team and there's one shark at the beginning and a whole bunch of minnows. And if you're underwater, then the shark can't tag you. And the goal of the shark is to turn everybody into a shark, right? So the shark can only tag you if you are above water. So what happens is you get all the younger kids first, and then they're all sharks, and all the big kids right. just like, dive was, straight to the bottom of the pool. This was like the, the community swim team. So this was like kids through high schoolers, right? Yeah. And you play it in the deep end. It's just like 13 or 14 feet deep. And so then what happens is that the strong swimmers just dive straight to the bottom of the pool, swim all the way across on one breath, and then come up the other side. So if you want to win the game, what you have to do is, like, swim down to the bottom of the pool and, like, drag wrestle people up to the surface right. while and, underwater. And necessarily, the people who are stronger swimmers than you, because if you were a stronger swimmer than them, you wouldn't be a minnow yet. Yeah. So or, I'm sorry, you, you wouldn't just... be a shark yet. You would still be a minnow. Yeah, so you just got, like, a bunch of people underwater wrestling, and everyone's holding their breath. Uh, Nothing bad ever happened, but in retrospect, it does seem like a dangerous game. Yeah, I mean, it was the 90s, man. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, Shun is wrestling these Kune Kune. It's a great scene. It's very cool choreography. Uh, It's just water splashing everyone you're fighting. And the kid... Like, see, he's got the digitizer, and he's trying to get out, but of course, they're out in the ocean, and he's terrified of the ocean. And in this moment, he finds his bravery, and he, like, dives into the ocean. He, like, super intense look on his face is, like, clawing his way out through the water, because he's a bad, because he doesn't know how to swim. He's a a bad swimmer, and he he basically is swimming with one hand, because he's holding a digitizer. 
Oh, yeah. And so he finally, as Shun is being, like, dragged beneath the waves, like, the kid throws the digitizer. He, like, grabs it. His hand sinks down. The kid sinks down into the water. And then Mega Blue leaps out of the water, oh, holding dude. the kid onto dry we land. We get an amazing, like, we don't see the henshin. It's an underwater henshin. But there's, like, oh, an explosion yeah. of light up through the water as he erupts oh, from it. Extremely good. We've seen it. We've seen a lot of henshin through fire before. But I don't remember ever having seen it through water. And this is great. Yeah, uh, it's it's just a really good moment, man. Like, Mega Blue saving kids. I mean, all the Rangers do, but, uh, you know, Mega Blue Rangers particularly save kids. So, um, yeah, and the kid is like, kid's like, hey, um, so it's definitely you, right, bud? And he's like, oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, it is. Um, and then Akuna Kune hops out of the water. He tries to attack Shun. Shun grabs him. Throws him down on the rocks, pulls out his gun, puts it in Kunikune's face, and is like, you're going to take me to your base right now. And it's extremely raw, and I love it. Shun is not messing around. So they go, and they find everybody in the cave, and Shun, here's the risk that Matt was talking about. Yeah. Shun bets, Shun guesses, correctly, that this is not in fact turned them into coral, but has simply encased them in coral, which is somehow worse, I think. It is somehow worse, except for the fact that if it were not true, then Shun would have murdered these people by shattering their new coral bodies instead of freeing them by shooting off the coral that is surrounding their bodies. And that would have been very bad. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, they they don't do that. Or yeah, like their their coral bodies aren't shattered. He does blast them off, and then everybody's cool. Yeah, and then he's Great. also able to shoot the coral off of the limbs of his friends, and they are all free. And now they Hooray. can henshin. Yeah. So they all henshin. They go out to fight um, coral Nazare. Uh, we, he does like a blue does like a tomahawk tornado thing, which I feel like is kind of new. That's yeah, pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. They try to blast him, and he is able to like shoot a coral spray that like blocks the blast. And uh, Shun does like a like an analysis with his mega powers, and he's like, "There's point three seconds between when he opens his mouth and when that spoon comes out, so just shoot him right in the shoot him right in the mouth with your blaster." <laughs> In that point three seconds, and we'll be fine. Um, so they do that exactly that exact thing, and uh, it works. Yeah, and, and it works. It goes down. There's a at this point there is a weird interlude with Mega Silver because Uganda is watching the fight, and he's like, "How dare you do that to Coral Nezere?" And he says it in the sort of way that like Coral Nezere was his best friend. And he's very, like, personally offended that they've killed him. And he starts to move towards joining the fight. And then all of a sudden, Mega Silver is there. And the two square off. And it looks like Mega Silver is... Has, like, completely misjudged the danger of the situation. Like, they get into a fight. And, like, immediately Mega Silver is, like, on his back, on the ground. Uganda is standing on him, about to kill him. But. And you guys is like, yeah, jerk, I got you. Uh, and he, what what happens is that he has summoned his flying motorcycle to like at that moment just crash directly into Uganda and knock him into the ocean, which is very uh, good. Yeah, he's like, I was actually waiting for you to knock me on the ground so I could do this. Boom! And he just straight up green goblins that dude. Um. Which is good. I like that they are finding ways to make Uganda, not Uganda, um, Yusuke, 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 Yusuke. I'm glad that they are finding ways to make him work within his time limit. You know, and I'm also now yep. understanding why the Silver Ranger in um, the like the equivalent Power Ranger character was not in a ton of that show. 
Because, like, he was in it, but, like, he did not do a lot as the Silver Ranger. He would sort of, like, come and mm-hmm. go pretty quickly. And I don't believe that in that show there was ever, like, an actual hard limit on things. So I'm glad that yeah. I'm glad that it works, and I'm glad that I've also, like, resolved that mystery for myself. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tight piece of writing. So there's a giant fight. Um, Coral, Mega, or Mega Coral, Coral Nazare has, like, a cool coral spear now that he didn't have before. And then uh, also he can, like, shoot tentacles. Tentacle. Now, the tentacles thing, he like shoots out these two tentacles and wraps them up. That actually kind of makes sense because coral do actually do that when they're like – like the fleshy parts of the coral do actually do kind of a, a similar thing to that. Yeah, although I swear I could have written they go big uh, – when I saw that it wasn't just um, Super Galaxy Mecha showing up, that it was only Galaxy Mecha at first, I'm like, oh, well, then he's going to get caught up in tendrils. And then they're going to have to call Delta Mega, and then they're going to have to combine. Yeah, I would say overall, um, I really like Mega Ranger. The giant fights do—they're the, overall this series. Yeah, they do early, very much sort of seem in like the an series, I think we had a lot of good things to say about them, like yes. in the first yeah. like five to eight episodes. There was a lot of really cool stuff. They have fallen into which I mean, honestly, this happens every season. They've fallen kind of into being formula. And then yep. they become interesting again when they have to be narratively. So um, that's pretty much it. Like he goes down and they're like, hooray. Uh, then when he dies, we flash over to Mr. Uiwa and he's like, oh, was there an earthquake? He has just now woken up from his nap. Mm-hmm. Very briefly and then uh. falls right back asleep. And then he just, yeah, lays right back down. Love this dude. Love this dude. He's a real, as a teacher, I would, this, he, the man is an icon. <laughs> here's, here's why. Because he has somehow figured out how to make like this his job and not get fired. Right? I dig it, man. Yeah. It's uh, not admirable as an educator, but, uh, you know, as a just as a as a life life model, I would say. So anyways, uh, our last scene is young Daichi learning to swim. And uh, he does not let up with the intensity of his facial expressions. Yeah, he he gets in the water like Kenta is helping him in the water. And he's like, go over there to where Shun and your sister are. And he he's paddling and he's paddling so hard. And his face is very intense. And he finally gets over there and they're like, yes. You did it. And his sister says, when did you learn how to swim? And Daiji says, Mega Blue taught me to swim. And he looks up directly at Shun and he gives him a huge wink. And Shun looks back down at him and gives him a huge wink. And then, weirdly, his sister does not say out loud, oh, so you all are the Mega Rangers? Yeah. You five strangers who came to town and are friends with my brother, who is the only person who wasn't turned to coral while the Mega Rangers were saving us, and are winking at him about swimming? Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So but it's um, a great episode. Yeah, it is. So, Matt, that is it for this episode. Yes, Dave, but it's not the end of our episode, because first we need to determine where Coral Nazare lands in the Creature Royale. Now, specifically, in case you did not listen to last week's episode, we have broken things out because the, the, the grand creature royale got a little unwieldy. So now we are comparing specifically monsters within a particular season. So this is the, uh, the Mega, Ranger, Mega Ranger bracket of the creature royale. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I like his... He's a non-character. Coral Nazare has zero personality. Yes, and that hurts him. And that does, yeah, that does obviously hurt him. I mean, honestly, I think it really puts him, like, pretty down, pretty low near the bottom. Um, You know, even Buffalo Nazare had some sort of, sort of something. So I feel like he's down in, like, Rhino, Moray, Elephant, Stingray, Scorpion, Scorpion. He's better than Scorpion Nazare. He's better than Stingray Nazare. I mean, that, that's like the bottom of the list, though. So I, yeah, I think no, I'm I, just you know, I'm just saying. I think he's better than Rhino Nazare because Rhino Nazare's yeah. big move was run at you and hit with head, right? Yes, um, not brilliant. And 
Coral Nezare has like this weird body horror thing going on where like he snatches people out of the sea and transforms them into coral. His- Snatching people out of the sea is a strong move as a monster thing yeah. goes, definitely. Um, Buffalo Nezare had the thing where he was able to like take down the data of how they were defeating him and then use that to create to like feed into the master version of Buffalo Nezare. Yeah. And that's I think, pretty cool. I think Buffalo Nezare is cooler, but I think Coral Nezare is right underneath him. Okay, because, yeah, I, I think he probably comes in above Mole Nezare, right? Because, like, honestly... Yeah, for sure. I don't have a lot of great memories of what Mole Nezare was like. And that was probably... That was not that long ago, because it was no, this it season. So I would say um, Coral Nezare, yeah, is the new spot number 15. Right on. Well, then that... Out of, out of 21. Yeah, but, you know, it's only 15 from the top. Maybe yeah, he'll, yeah, maybe he'll stay there. If he does, then he's in the top half. Top Good 30, even. Congratulations. Good for you. Probably not going to happen, but, you know, we'll see. That's the whole point, Dave, of the Creature Royale. And that is going to do it for another episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com if you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter. We are at supersentaibros. Dave, if the good people want to get in touch with you to get uh, any of your good tabletop role-playing game playtests, how would they do that? Uh, If you just email me at gosentaiheroes, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, I will try to remember to check that email address with a little more frequency, and I will uh, and I will get out any uh, playtests and stuff. And uh, you know, I listen. You know, the playtests are great, and uh, I've had a handful of people write me back and say, "Hey, I was able to play it, and uh, here's some feedback." And that's that's awesome to hear. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, let me know. Cool. Uh, and if you're interested in the show, please remember that shining shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh, tell a friend. Just do it. You know, it's the holiday season. Give them, give them the gift of the Super Sentai Brothers. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Mark, sorry for the last-minute edit.